Coming up, we are talking week nine in the NFL, halfway through the NFL season. So we get to a few of the, the big games in the NFL this week. And then my brother Chris came on and we talked some early season takeaways in the NBA and then gave our final NBA picks for the season, went through every team, gave win predictions for each team. And then we ended with our NBA championship predictions. So NFL week nine and some NBA picks coming up right after this. Week nine in the NFL is in the books. We are now officially halfway through the NFL regular season. There's just a few games that I want to get to, a few games that stood out to me uh, on this busy weekend in the NFL. I want to start with Vikings-Falcons, which probably had the most impressive thing you're going to see in the NFL this year. And if you didn't hear what happened, you didn't see the game, Vikings, of course, lost Kirk Cousins, their main starting quarterback, last week to an Achilles. So they didn't really want to pass the reins to their rookie, Jaron Hall from BYU. So they trade right at the deadline for Josh Dobbs, quarterback from Arizona. And they bring him in. This was his first week. But as complex as NFL schemes are, as complex as playing quarterback is, they weren't going to just throw him in there. So Jaron Hall... He's going to be the starter for at least one more week with Dobbs, you know, learning plays, learning all of that. But of course, like a quarter into the game, Jaron Hall goes out with a concussion. So he's done for the day. And then that leaves Josh Dobbs, who, like I mentioned, had just got there that week. We learned after the game, he really didn't know anybody's name. He didn't really know the plays. Sounds like they were giving him the play call and then essentially just interpreting for him what was going to happen. And yet, despite that, he was able to lead the, the Vikings multiple times uh, in what was, ended up being a back-and-forth game, uh, leading them to a victory over the Falcons, 31-28. And what Dobbs did, again, not knowing people's names, just now practicing like snap counts, working on cadence with the offensive linemen. Really just being told like, hey, Addison's going to run a slant here. Look there first. Or, you know, Madison's coming out of the backfield. He's your, he's your check down. Now, I'm sure he picked up some things, obviously, in the week that he's been here. But it's pretty impressive. And it's similar, I think, to what happened last year with Baker Mayfield, who went to the Rams uh, one week, ended up starting and winning a game for them. So that makes you wonder, are there some offenses and are there some quarterbacks that just get overwhelmed with all the complexities that they forget how they actually play quarterback? Because I'm not denying how good or bad Josh Jobs may be, but by him able to just kind of show up, get in the game, and just kind of play by instinct, he's not really thinking of all the complexities that go into an NFL offense. And I'm not saying that complexities should just be removed. Obviously, there's a reason that NFL offenses are so complex. But for a quarterback, there's also something to be said for just, just playing football. And so guys like you know, Justin Fields, who we've talked about, and you know, a few other young guys that have struggled throughout the years, 
there's almost something of just scaling everything back and just letting them play football because they're all great players. They all made the NFL. And I think Dobbs shows that you can just show up, know the simple parts of the offense and get the job done. Now, of course, I don't want to take away from what he did and what he was able to accomplish. I think, again, what he did is probably one of the coolest things we'll see this year. So credit to them, credit to the, the Vikings players and coaching staff, you know, pretty much walking him through the offense in real time. But now moving forward, Dobbs is at least a capable quarterback. Arizona brought him in at the start of the year. They didn't have Kyler Murray although it sounds like Kyler may be back this week for Arizona. But Dobbs was able to come in and do his job, be a serviceable quarterback. And in some instances, he was able to do a little bit more. He led Arizona to the big upset win over Dallas earlier this year and had his moments. You know, he's a nice dual threat quarterback. He's not going to be, you know, Lamar Jackson, Justin Fields running the ball, but he can run. But he's also not just a running quarterback. Because I think a lot of these either young or inexperienced quarterbacks, we see, you know, they'll drop back one read and they'll just take off. Dobbs can throw the ball and he can get through his progressions while also having a little bit in the run game as well. So Arizona trades him. Kyler Murray's coming back. They don't need him. Vikings do because Kirk Cousins got hurt. So they bring him in. And now he's going to be the starter for the rest of the year, presumably. And suddenly we're going from a Viking season that looked like it was falling apart, looked like, you know, last year was just a mirage. They might be heading the other way. You know, they start out losing four out of the first five and close games, but still losing four out of five. But now they've won four in a row. They're now five and four. And if Kirk Cousins was still here, you'd definitely be talking about a playoff team. But anytime you lose your quarterback, You tend to worry that that might ruin your season, but we'll see what Josh Gobbs can do. If he can play like he did this week, they might actually be a a playoff team. They get Justin Jefferson back. They have plenty of weapons. Their defense is good enough, at least. So I think it'll be a nice story if Dobbs can can bring them to the playoffs. Next game, I want to get to probably the the game of the week, although we had a few, few good games was the the Houston Texans and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, quick recap. This game was back and forth for a while. Lots of points being scored. Houston loses their kicker, so they're seemingly going for pretty much everything at this point. But then as we get later into the fourth quarter, Texans finally get to a point where they need to kick because they can't really go for it. And they bring in not their punter, which I would assume that punters should be able to kick. Seems like all the time they spend together, they could at least learn how to be an emergency kicker, but I guess not the Texans punter. So they bring in a running back, one of their backup running backs who apparently can kick the ball because he was able to kick a, a short field goal to give the Texans a 33-30 to 30 lead. But then ball goes back to the Buccaneers. Baker, who has had his moments for the Buccaneers, ends up leading them on what probably everybody thought was the game-winning drive, leads them down, they score with 45 seconds left, go up 37-33. And now the Texans need to go the full length of the field. They need a touchdown. They do have a couple timeouts, but again, they need a touchdown. Rookie quarterback, 
you think probably it's over. But no, CJ Stroud leads them all the way down, ends up getting a touchdown with about 10 seconds left. And that put the bow on one of the best games we'll probably see from a quarterback this year, period. And possibly the best performance you'll see from a rookie quarterback, maybe ever. Stroud set the record for most passing yards in a game by a rookie, ended up with 470 yards passing, five touchdowns, didn't really have a running game. I mentioned they lost their kicker during the game. Their defense gave up a game-winning drive. And yet Stroud kept going, kept at it. Him and their trio of receivers ended up getting the job done. And again, this is another team that they're now 4-4. Four and four. With Stroud playing as good as he's playing, they might be a playoff team in the AFC as well. But really, the, the big takeaway here is C.J. Stroud, how good he looks and how good he looks early on. He started off really well, struggled a little bit. You know, defenses started to catch up to him. But now with this performance, five touchdowns, 470 yards. I think it's not too early to say he's the best quarterback in the draft. Now, that doesn't mean Bryce Young, who was taken one pick before him, doesn't mean he can't turn into a good quarterback. But from everything we've seen, again, I don't think it's too early to say that Stroud's going to be the better quarterback than Bryce Young. And you have to feel for for Panthers fans. You know, they're watching C.J. Stroud lead the Texans to a great victory. And then game ends, Panthers game starts, and Bryce Young throws not one, but two pick sixes. And generally just does not look ready for the NFL. Now, I'm not ready to say Bryce Young is going to be a bust. This Panthers team, not exactly set up for you know, success for a rookie quarterback. So I'm going to give Bryce Young a pass this year. But it does have to be really hard for Panthers fans to watch C.J. Stroud, watch how good he's doing for the Texans. And I mean, I think if you switch them, if you put Bryce Young on the Texans, I don't think they'd be as good. And I think if C.J. Stroud was on the Panthers, Panthers would still be bad, but I think Stroud would have his moments. So early indications between Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, not looking good for the Panthers in terms of picking the right one. But we'll see. We'll see how Bryce Young bounces back. Of course, we got Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, a couple of rookie quarterbacks as well. Next game I want to hit, another one for potentially the game of the week. Certainly the more popular game, uh, and that was the Eagles and Cowboys in the uh, late window primetime time slot. Another game that went uh, right down to the wire, uh, in this case, right down to the final play. And we'll talk about implications of this game, you know, what we think of, of both teams in a second. But let me just recap the ending first. Eagles were up uh, a couple scores midway through the fourth quarter. Cowboys drive down. They end up getting a touchdown to cut the lead to five. So, of course, they need a two-point conversion and a field goal to tie the game. Cowboys go for the two-pointer. Looks like Dak is about to, you know, get the edge and run in for a score. He ends up stepping out of bounds, though, right before he crosses the goal line. So it does not count. And they are now down five, obviously meaning they need a touchdown to win the game. Eagles get the ball back, immediate three and out. Cowboys get it. They drive into uh, Philadelphia territory. 
it looks like this is going to be, you know, the last drive. We're down, you know, under the two-minute warning. Ends up being fourth down. Prescott throws to uh, Jalen Tolbert, of all people. It seems like you'd want to target one of your more uh, experienced and reliable receivers. But he goes to him, incomplete. There's like a minute left. You think that's probably the game, and it probably should have been. Dallas does have all three timeouts, though, so it's not totally over. Uh, Eagles, couple runs. They go nowhere. And Cowboys able to take all three timeouts and get the ball back. So now they have the ball back in their own territory. About 45 seconds left. No timeouts. And yet, we seem to see this a few times a year. Sometimes it seems like every week. Where a defense is playing prevent defense because they know, you know, a 10-yard gain isn't going to hurt us. But yet, somehow, defenses still struggle with this. Yes, you don't want to get beat deep. Yes, I'm not saying to just play press man, don't prevent any completions. But they play so far off that it's easy for offenses to, especially early on in the, the drive, to get these pretty big, like, 15, 20-yard chunk plays, and suddenly the game gets interesting. Now, that wasn't totally the case here. Uh, in this case, the Eagles had back-to-back penalties, which kept pushing the Cowboys forward. And next thing you know, they're at the Philly 25 with 30 seconds left. A couple plays later, another penalty later. Suddenly, it's first and goal at the six with 27 seconds left. And so suddenly you're thinking, this is going to be the ultimate collapse by the Eagles. We're going to come out of this game you know, saying how, how worried we are about the Eagles. And I'm not saying we shouldn't be, but we will get to that. But of course, false start by the Cowboys, sack by the Cowboys. Suddenly they're back to the, the 27 for one last play. Uh, they get about 20 yards, but they end up six or seven yards short. Uh, so the Eagles end up winning 28-23. And I mentioned, this was close to a, a really big collapse by the Eagles. And I, I'm, it's not one that you know, we should suddenly be super worried about the Eagles. I do think they will be there when it matters. But there is something a little bit off about this team. And I don't think they're as good as they were last year when they made the Super Bowl. Yes, the defense gave up you know, a couple drives in the fourth quarter. Some bad penalties, all of that. But to me, what's the most interesting is their offense. Because this offense that looks, at times, really good, and times one of the best, seems like it's missing something. You know, They had multiple chances in the fourth quarter to put together a drive to finish the game. And they go three and out both times. So I don't know if it's they're just missing one more weapon. They lost their tight end, Dallas Goddard, today, so that's going to hurt them even more. I don't know if it's the play calling. Seems like a lot of their offenses feed A.J. Brown, throw the ball to A.J. Brown, and he's been great, one of the best wide receivers. But they don't seem to have anything more reliable. So that'll be something to, to monitor moving forward for them. Because again, they'll be there come the end. We'll see what happens to them once they make it that far. And then the Cowboys, I'm honestly probably higher on the Cowboys now after this game. They needed a game where they could compete with some of the best teams. And while the Eagles have their struggles, like I mentioned, they're still a really good team. And I think the Cowboys went toe-to-toe with them. So I don't necessarily think the Cowboys deserve to be in that top tier. But credit to them for, for being able to fight 
and show that they might belong in that top tier. I'm just not ready to put them that far. And then the last game I want to get to, uh, speaking of teams in the top tier, I wanted to save this for last because as someone uh, living in Seattle, not exactly the best week of football we had in week nine. Uh, Ravens-Seahawks, last game I want to hit. Ravens look like they're one of the best teams, if not the best team in the league, at least right now. And I think it'd be really hard to make the case that they're not the best team, at least right now. When it comes to the playoffs, when we have to rely on this team to go multiple rounds in the playoffs, we'll see. We haven't seen it happen in the Lamar Jackson era. So that, I'm not ready to just anoint them the Super Bowl favorites. But at least right now, they're the best team in the league. So if you're a Seahawks fan like myself, that's what you're saying after this game. Because it was not a good one. Ravens end up winning 37-3. to And it's one of those games that the score pretty much reflects how the game went. There wasn't, you know, some late touchdowns. It was a pretty, pretty big beatdown right from the beginning. Yes, the, the Seahawks defense held the Ravens offense, uh, at least early on. But in the end, everything went the Ravens way. And the stats reflect that. Whether it's 40 to 20 time of possession difference, whether it's 515 yards to 150 for the Seahawks, whether it was 300 rushing yards for the Ravens to 28 for the Seahawks, 29 first downs to six. This was a, a pretty big beatdown. So on the Ravens side, obviously you're, you're ecstatic. This is now two out of the last three weeks that they've really destroyed two probable contenders in the NFC. And now you're just hoping it's going to translate and keep going to the playoffs. The Ravens, they look like they have one of the best defenses in the league. They have probably one of the best and deepest pass rushing units in the league. Of course, they have Lamar on offense. Their running game, you know, they're throwing guys in there and it's all seemed to be working. So they look really, really physical. They look really talented. It'll just be a matter of does that play in the playoffs? Because it seems like it would. It seems like a team that has a really deep, a really physical defense, has a really physical run game, has a quarterback in Lamar Jackson that can beat you any given day. I just want to see it before I totally believe. So the Ravens, by all indication, are going to be probably competing for the one seed in the AFC. And then on the Seahawks side, it's one of those games that you go in thinking you're probably going to lose. I think a lot of people, even in Seattle, were probably putting this one as a loss you know, early in the season. And then as good as the Ravens had looked, pretty much everyone was picking the Ravens. Seahawks obviously coming in uh, on a couple-game win streak with some momentum uh, and some confidence that they can compete in this game. But really what I was hoping for is for them to just show they belonged with the Ravens. And at least for one game, it sure did not look like that. Now, again, it was close. You know, they hung around for the first, first quarter, first quarter and a half, and then the Ravens, you know, slowly pulled ahead. So if things go differently that first quarter, those first few drives, it's probably a different game. It probably doesn't end up 37 to 3 most times. But it was such a bad loss 
that as much as you want to just throw it away, one week doesn't, doesn't matter. Ravens are a great team. Weren't expecting to win, all of that. It was such a bad loss that you have to think what the Seahawks team can be the rest of the season. Because they will look certainly better than this. They will have better weeks. But do they deserve to be in that, that top tier of teams? Do they have a chance to, to win a Super Bowl this year? Because before this game, I would have thought, yeah, there's a, a small outside chance they probably could. They've had their struggles. It wasn't just this week. But I saw at least a path to a, a long, long playoff run. But because this loss was so bad, you kind of have to rethink that. Now, the flip side to that is it's just one week. The Seahawks and Pete Carroll, they're great at bouncing back. Uh, they're really resilient. They have been ever since Pete Carroll has been there. And they will learn from this. They will get better. You know, it's thankfully just one regular season game. And the Ravens, I think, are a really hard team to play for the NFC. And they mentioned this on the broadcast, and I think it's really worth highlighting that in the Lamar Jackson era, I want to say they are 17-1 and against the NFC, at least going into that game. So that, to me, shows that the Ravens are a really hard team to play if you don't play them that often. And so we've seen this twice this year. The Lions, a couple weeks ago, really good team. Most people are picking them to go far in the NFC. They got demolished. And now, obviously, the Seahawks this week. And so you wonder, is it different if you're not used to them, if you're not playing them every year? So if you're a team like the Steelers, obviously big rivals with the Ravens, so a rivalry game always brings out other things. But if you're playing them every year, if you're used to either, whether it's their physicality, their, their running game, you know, their running game with Lamar has always been super unique, super challenging if you're not used to it. And so that you might just say, just chalk it up to a really good team, a really tough team to play if you're not used to them, and you move on to next week. And I'm sure that's what Pete Carroll has said. I'm sure that's what the players have said, that that was terrible. We know how to get better. We know what we need to do. And now let's move on. And as a Seahawks fan, I obviously hope that's the case because the schedule is going to get hard. So the Seahawks definitely need to, to turn it around quickly. If not, we'll see if they're even able to make the playoffs at this point. So those were the, the four games I want to hit. A bunch of other fun stuff happened. Uh, but we got to get to some NBA, doing some NBA picks finally a couple weeks into the season. Uh, so my brother is coming up next. Uh, we're going to talk early season takeaways. We're going to give win predictions for every NBA team. So all of that coming up after the break. All right, my brother is in studio with us. We are going back to our picks. We've made picks for the MLB. We've made picks for the NFL. I have to say those weren't the best, so we might not be good at this, but we're going to give it a shot for the NBA. Uh, we're a couple weeks late, so I don't know if that's good or bad. Um, it, I don't know. It might be harder because we might be swayed by these first couple weeks, but before we get to picks, and we'll, we'll run through a bunch of these, anything stand out from the first couple weeks, just generally? Uh, just looking at records briefly, like the Grizzlies have a really bad start. I mean, I know they didn't have a job, but I don't know if we anybody expected them to almost go winless through the first couple of weeks. 
Celtics look really good. Porzingis is nice. Good good additions in the offseason there. Super excited to see what Harden can do and see if he consistently plays. Did you like the trade? I don't think I ever talked about it on the podcast, but any trade for James Harden, I don't think is good. So I'm not going to say like, oh, the Clippers won it. They're great. Because I wouldn't want James Harden on my team, but he's still a decent player. Yeah, I mean, he's a good player, good playmaker, which, I mean, like when he was on the Nets, like you don't need a good scorer like James Harden, but he was a good playmaker. Averaged, you know, almost 11 assists a game. The Clippers are in this kind of same situation. They don't need a scorer. They don't need that guy. They have a couple of guys who can give you 30, 40 a night if they had to. But James Harden, you know, he should be a good passer. As long as he's committed, I think it'll be great. No trade, like you said, no trade for James Harden. You'll ever get your value back. And that's, I mean, that's honestly kind of, sometimes it's true for most trades that include a star. Like you have to give up so much that unless that guy, I mean, it depends on the player, depends on the trade, but it's hard to get your value back. Yeah, I mean, it's also hard to get your value back is if in a year he's going to ask for a trade to the Lakers or the trade to the, I don't know. Would you give it a year, two years? Like how long is he on the Clippers? Probably a year. A year. Like, I couldn't see it lasting longer than, like, two years. Is he up for a contract extension? At the, isn't he a free agent? Yeah, I, I think he's a free agent after the year, so they'd have to sign him to a deal, which, again, I'm not the, the biggest James Harden guy, so if you're going to trade for him and sign him to an extension, you're probably not going to win a championship, but, yeah, it's the Clippers. They probably weren't going to win anyways. Yeah, I mean, they have a lot of stars. Obviously, stars come with a lot of money. Thankfully, Russell Westbrook's on a smaller deal. Yeah. James Harden, I mean, I feel like he's kind of going to have to take a smaller deal, but he probably won't. Like, if, I mean, have to, like if the Clippers want to take him, but just with Paul George and, you know, Leonard's contracts, is, yeah. you're going to need Harden to take a pay cut, and he probably won't. But then, he might. at the same time, like, who's going to want to sign him? Because who's here saying, like, hey, here's $200 million, James Harden? I, I can't name a team that if I were the GM, I would sign. Like, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. But like I said, for a smaller deal, like, like yeah, James Harden's still a really good player. Sure. He can, you know, give a lot of quality stuff to a team. But it's for a price, and I don't know if the teams and him are going to be on the same page. Would you rather have James Harden or Kyrie? Oh, that's a good question. Like, I mean, like factoring in who they are as a player, but then also the, all the things that come with it. Because they're kind of similar. I mean, Kyrie, y- you never know. James Harden, I, I guess you also never know. Like Things might be great. They'll look good. And then something will happen with Kyrie. James Harden, he'll get upset about something and one out. Like yeah, they're, they're actually very similar players in that, yeah. in that sense. Really good players, good scorers, good playmakers. They can be a really good piece on a team. Mm-hmm. But if things go the wrong way, like I'm kind of worried for Dallas now that it's like if Kyrie's unhappy, is he going to request a trade? And like I was saying earlier, you're never going to get your value back, especially from a player that's going to need to be traded again or not signed to an extension. I'd probably go Kyrie just because I, I like watching him play. True. I, like if I was a fan of, like, I'd rather be a fan of the Mavericks yeah. in this case. Yeah. I feel like that, like, everyone seems to still love Kyrie. All the players love Kyrie. They, they love being a teammate. They love being on his team. So I guess you'd go with Kyrie. But, yeah, it's Kyrie. So, uh, Let's transition over to some win picks. Uh, we're going to run through these. Uh, I guess we'll break it out in chunks. Uh, we'll start with the best teams by over-under. 
And again, this was preseason over-under, so some of these have changed, um, and we might get to it a little bit. But let's start at the top. Uh, according to Vegas, uh, the best team in the league, at least in the preseason, uh, was Boston Celtics. Their over-under was 55.5, followed close behind by the Bucks, 53.5, Nuggets, 52.5. Cavaliers and Suns were both 51.5. So those were the five teams over 50 wins for their over-under. Let's, I guess let's just start with, with the picks, and then we can talk about anybody we want to talk about. Uh, Celtics, what did you have? I had them at 61, so that would be, what, six over there? Five and a half over there, uh, over under. I just think with their additions, Holiday is going to be pairing really nicely around um, the Jays, I guess as they're called. Porzingis is still really good. Obviously, Marcus Smart is a hard thing to lose, but I think Drew Holiday is kind of like the better version of Marcus Smart, so it's kind of hard to miss that aspect of it. And Robert Williams kind of injury prone um like you said we're kind of doing this late so we just found out that robert williams is missing at least two to three months with a knee issue so that's kind of not expected i don't want to say it's expected but but that's i'm not surprised yeah Yeah. i mean like it's not that's why it wasn't a huge deal that they had to get rid of robert williams malcolm brogdon good piece off the bench but you know Derek white like they still have a lot they got peyton pritchard now yeah they got a lot of depth so the pieces that they lost aren't going to impact them as much as it might impact another team losing those same pieces. Yeah. And Porzingis, obviously he's injury prone too, but when those five are healthy and I'll include Derek white, like that's a really good team. And again, we're swayed cause they've looked really good, but I think we would have said that regardless. Um, I have them at 60 wins, so I'm not too far behind. Uh, Bucks. What did you have? So I'm a little biased here. You're huge yeah. Damian Lillard fan coming from the Portland trailblazers. I told myself no matter where he goes, that's my guy. I'm rooting for him, rooting for the Bucks. Uh, I had them at 57 wins, so slightly below the Celtics. But I think, you know, Damian Lillard, Giannis Antetokounmpo. I mean, it's been a dream pairing for a long time. Just those mm-hmm. two, like their play styles is perfect together. The range of Dame plus the speed and power of Giannis is, I mean, it's just super exciting. I just love watching them together. Are you not concerned about their defense? I mean, a little bit, but it's like, I mean, Brooke Lopez is still really good, especially defensively, like around the rim. Giannis is obviously a really good defender. Losing Drew Holiday is kind of a big deal mm-hmm. in terms of defense. And it's been, I can tell from a Portland fan uh, perspective that it, it's always been told that Damian Lillard is not a great defender. And it's, he's, not a, he's not like defensive player of the year, but he's not a bat. Like, he can hold his own in certain situations, especially without the pressure. Like, he's never had a teammate like Giannis, so he doesn't need that pressure of the entire offense on his shoulders. So maybe he can put a little more effort or energy, I guess, um, towards his defense. So maybe his defense won't be as bad. Yeah. And I know I'm talking to uh, one of the biggest Dame fans, I, but I don't necessarily think that's going to be the case. Um, so I have them a little bit lower. Um, I'm at 52. To me, I think they'll care more about the playoffs and that's when it's really going to matter. I think it, the, the NBA is just too deep. And I think, yes, Dame and Giannis might be the best duo in the league. But to me, they need a little bit more than that. And so they will have their moments. They'll be great. Come the playoff time, I'm sure they'll be okay. But I think there's going to be a little bit more of a learning curve. Yeah, especially Damian Lillard. I mean, he's been healthy his whole career, except for the last couple of years. He's been really, he's missed a lot of last year. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if he can stay healthy. And another, if he, again, if he misses 20 games, like that's, that's a big deal. And he might, I mean, like load management, they're trying to get away from that. But in a way, they might 
load manage Dame a little bit, make sure he is healthy for the playoffs. Because if they can get in, even if they got in with like 48 wins, if you get in, like that's all you need is just that yeah. chance. Yeah. And another piece for them is Chris Middleton because he's been dealing with a lot of injuries, mm-hmm. trying to get back into the rhythm. So if he can turn in back in, into his old self, all-star level Chris Middleton, then I think that they're more than capable of getting over their 50, 53 and a half yeah. wins. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree that Middleton's definitely their X factor because they need a third piece. And yeah. they need like some big wing. Well, they need some defensive guards too, but they need some big wing to complement those two. Because again, Damon Giannis can be great, but if they don't have anybody else. Yeah, and they have good, like, because you need, I mean, role players are huge. Like, without role yeah. players, the NBA would not be what, I mean, they play their roles. That's yeah. important. And like I was mentioning, Brooke Lopez, like, really good piece, but he's not going to be, like, that third guy you need. Yeah. They have, like, a bunch of other guys. But yeah, Chris Middleton, yeah. I mean, he's a bucket. Like, when he's healthy and on, he's a bucket. Yeah, if, if, they, get, if they get Middleton from what, two years ago when they won the championship? Then I think that would be a serious contender. And he doesn't, the best part, I don't even think he needs to be consistent. Like, the power of those two, if, like, if Dame is having a bad night shooting, especially shooting, because Giannis isn't, like, a shooter. Mm-hmm. If Dame's having a bad night, as long as Chris Middleton can, can step up when needed, he doesn't have to do it every night, just when needed, and I think they'll be in a good spot. And they'll, they'll get better as the season goes on. Yeah. Dame and Giannis will get used to each other and all of that, so. Uh, speaking of teams that don't need to get used to each other, and speaking of teams with great role players, uh, the Denver Nuggets, uh, we said 52 and a half. You have them at? I have them at 59. Uh, I have them at 61. So to me, I have them as the best team, mainly because you know some of the concerns I said for the, the Bucks, I will say for lots of other teams, like it's going to take a bit to get used to, like used to their new roster, used to new players. The Nuggets have the same players. They have the best player to me that made it pretty easy to have them be the best team in the regular season. Yeah, the only reason, I mean, there's a lot of good teams in the East, don't get me wrong, but the West is super stacked, like top to bottom. It's really hard to pick a team that will miss the playoffs. Like, I wish every team could make the playoffs at this point. Obviously, that's not the point of the playoffs, but... um, Well, at this point, that's where we're headed. Yeah, I mean, just, you know, let's do a play-in to the play-in. Yeah. But... Yeah, Jokic is probably the best player in the league, but the West is st- still super stacked, so there's just going to be a lot more opportunities for teams to beat the Nuggets. And like, I mean, in one game, it's not that big of a deal, but I mean, I have them at 59. That's two off of your 61, so it's, they're still like one of the best teams in the league for me, yeah. but it's just more opportunities for them to lose in such a powerful West. It'll be interesting to see how they deal with the, the championship uh, deep defense. Because, like you said, every night there's going to be a, a good team. They're going to give a good matchup. Yeah, I mean, it's the defending champs. Like, you're going yeah. to give your best effort against them, no matter who you are. Even if you're some, you know, lottery team with yeah. a bunch of young guys, you're going to try and beat the champs. Uh, the other two teams in this group, Cavaliers and Suns, both at 51 and a half. Uh, what did you have them both at? I had the Cavaliers at 48 and the Suns at 45. I also have the Cavaliers at 48, and I have the Suns at 48 as well. Two Different teams. One team still trying to figure out like how they all work together. Mitchell, Garland, like how they can take the next step. And then the Suns, uh, we could spend 20 minutes on the Suns if we wanted to. But if all three are going to play, that's great. If they don't, then... Yeah, so the Suns are one of the teams that I've been influenced just, you know, watching their start this year. 
just because of health in- issues. You know, Devin Booker's only what played a game or two. Mm-hmm. Bradley Beal's, I mean, as of right now, has yet to make his debut. Hopefully, planning to later this week. Um, so if they can get healthy, which I'm sure they will, but if they can stay healthy, that's why I have them at 45 with just all the injuries. KD's old as well, older coming still with the Achilles issue. Who knows how that's going to impact him over a full season. So I just think overall, they're going to be a good team, but just with all the injuries, it's probably going to bring their wins down a little bit. I mean, this is one of those teams that they're definitely focused on the playoff. Like regular season really doesn't matter. If they're all healthy in the come the playoff time, that's what they care about. My only concern, and we can get the, to this at the end when we pick championship picks, Durant and Booker were healthy and good against the Nuggets, and they still got beat pretty clearly. And Bradley Beal's not changing that. So I can tell you for sure that Nurkic isn't changing that either because you need somebody. Yeah. Nobody can stop Jokic. Yeah. But you got to have somebody that can at least attempt to slow him down. And I tell you right now, Nurkic is not that guy. Yeah. I think there's. In the West, I think there's two teams probably that have a shot. Just just due to the matchup, not due to how good they are. But we'll get to this. Yeah, teams. we'll get to that. Uh, let's go through the next uh, five or so teams. Um, by over-under, the next team is the 76ers, 48.5. Warriors and Lakers, both at 47.5. Clippers, 46.5. And then the Heat and the Grizzlies at 45.5. Uh, we will get to them in a second. Uh, let's start with 76ers. You have them at? 50. I have them at 48. Of course, this was before James Harden was on the team, if you want to say he was on the team in this preseason. Uh, but now he's not. I think I would almost be, I think I'm almost more excited about the 76ers now that he's gone. Like, I think I'd be lower if he was on the team. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, not like a skill thing or yeah, at all. It's just a distraction. Yeah. So we'll see how Embiid, now it's definitely his team. He won the MVP. Who knows? Uh, Warriors and Lakers, 47 and a half each. What do you have them at? I got the Warriors at 45, and then I got the Lakers at 43. I'm right behind you. I have Warriors at 46 and Lakers at 44. Again, two teams that, at least for me, like Warriors, it's still their same infrastructure, but like working CP3 and all of that. The Lakers. For me, this is one team that I would have been influenced a lot by if I would have done this before the season. Before the season, I was like, I think they, they're going to be really good. A lot of depth. You know, they still have LeBron and AD. Now I'm more like, they'll be a decent regular season team, but it's going to take a bit to work guys in. And they've been dealing with injuries. I mean, a lot of teams have, but a lot of their kind of role guys that they expected to be there have been hurt. So it's going to take even longer to work guys in rotation all of that so i'm not super concerned long term but i think regular season i don't think this is going to be like a great team yeah with lebron's injury history because of just how he's getting older and ad obviously we know how injury prone he can be it's a little more important for the lakers to have their role players back healthy and ready to go because you need those guys to because some role players i mean a lot of them when they need to can drop 30 a night like depending on the situations so you need those guys to be ready and able. So when your role players get out, you're forcing LeBron to play 40 minutes and AD to play 40 minutes. So yeah. we don't, that, that won't last forever. I mean, I've heard they're trying to get LeBron under closer to 30 minutes a night. Yeah. I, I like how they did that for one game. Then it came out. That was their plan. And it has not even been close since then. Cause it's like, well, what do you do? Like you cap him hard at 30 
or you know whatever number they pick and then you start losing a game what you, you can't just keep them on yeah. the bench so it's like yeah this they need their guys to step up big so lebron doesn't have to so you can have lebron for a full season yeah plus healthy for the playoffs yeah and that's again i'm gonna say this about a lot of teams but that's really their goal because that's what it's turned I mean, into as long as you're healthy by the playoffs that's all that matters yeah i mean that, that's just sports really yeah. the playoffs are like if you can get through the regular season into a good spot health-wise yeah. record-wise as long as you're good to go that's what matters which but, is a whole other problem and a whole other conversation for another time but yeah uh i it was funny i was just thinking about looking at games played the last few years for a bunch of stars because you know i'm one of the biggest anthony davis fans and supporters as referenced by the, the davis jersey right behind me and I, I finally conceded last year he's probably not a number one, especially on a championship team, but I still think he's a really good number two. And yes, he deserves all the criticism he gets for not playing, but I was just thinking, like, like Curry's missed time. Of course, the Clippers guys, they missed a ton of time. I was like, I bet AD's played more games the last few years than those guys have. And then, of course, I'm watching the game yesterday as of taping this, and sure enough, second quarter comes, and he's kneeling down, and great. So again, as of taping this, we don't know exactly what's happening. He had hip spasms, which on the broadcast there, like we didn't know you could have those. Um, he came back. I don't know if you saw any of the highlights of the game, but he came back. It's one of those things you're like, oh no, he goes to the locker room. Then he comes back we're like, great. Two minutes in, then he goes back out. I'm like, okay. He comes back like five minutes later, plays more, and then goes out. So I think it's it's one of those things that isn't super long term, but so yeah, maybe it's something I have to manage. Yeah. And I, he was leading the league in minutes, which you do like not want. During the year? Like so the far? first like seven games or how many you played. Like he has the most minutes. LeBron, yeah, like, not far behind. So that's not Which is work. like the number one thing coming into this year is make sure, especially with the additions of all the players yeah. they've got, make sure that those two guys do not have to play that many minutes. Which, I mean, credit to them, like Reeves, Hachimura, bringing in Christian Wood. Problem is they haven't been good or healthy. Which, I mean, part of, I mean, those go hand in hand together. If you're not, even if you're on the court, you're not necessarily at 100% health. Yeah. And who, I don't know, Austin Reeves, he'll heat up eventually. Yeah, he's, he'll be fine. But I don't know if you have time for that, because if you're, if Austin Reeves... Uh, like, he'll be fine. Like, he was good yesterday. Like, yeah. he's back. But again, Austin Reeves but is your third not, best guy. It's not just him. Yeah. But like, I'm saying, I don't know if you have time for... Well, like Reeves, if he truly did figure yeah. it out, plus like Vincent's, is he still hurt? Yeah, Vincent's hurt, Vanderbilt's out, Hachimura's so out. So it's like those guys need to come back quick because yeah. LeBron, like you said, they lead the league in minutes. You, that cannot be, yeah. that's not good. Those are like the two guys that I'm worried about the most in terms of minutes. Yeah. And stars, stars-wise. Uh, well, speaking of stars and minutes, uh, the Clippers next. Uh, we mentioned 46 and a half. Um, I have them at 46. You have them at? 47. So pretty much the same. Again, this is like the Suns. We could spend 20 minutes, but now with Harden, if if you want to say they're four stars, four most prominent guys, they play a lot. It'll be fun to watch. It'll be interesting to watch. But now I guess the good news is it takes less pressure off of mainly Kawhi. Like, okay, at least in the regular season, they have James Harden now. It's, just, it's kind of like exactly what you were saying for every other team in the league. It's all about if you are ready for the playoffs health-wise. Yeah. and. Kawhi and Paul George have had their injuries just like every other star in the league it's turning out to be. So hopefully, you know, Harden can step up and help those guys stay healthy. And yeah. they, I mean, they're, they're deep. They got a good team. Yeah. But that's never been their problem. It's, I mean, every team 
wants to get to the playoffs. The Clippers have been really good at doing that, but once they get there, that's been their problem. Yeah. So yeah, they might be a, they might even win over fifty games, but they they might get to the playoffs and get swept in the first round. Like that's just something the Clippers do. Yeah. Uh, the other two teams in this group, Heat and Grizzlies, both at forty five and a half. Uh, you had them at. I have the Heat at forty five, and I got the Grizzlies at thirty nine. Yeah, the Grizzlies are going to be one of these teams that were heavily influenced by their what one and six start. Uh, I have them at 38. I have the Heat at 43. For me, the Heat are just probably going to be, for the next few years, just a 500 team in the regular season, and then you do not want to see them in the playoffs. Yeah, uh, postseason Jimmy Butler is probably like a top five, top yeah. three player in the league. Yeah. Regular season Jimmy Butler, yeah. I'd argue like top 20. Like he's, like yeah. he's good, if, but he's, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I... Could they win 50 games? Sure, if they wanted to, but I don't know if they care at this point. Yeah, like if they, if they gave out the finals trophy to the team in the regular season with the most wins. Yeah, or they would be they would, a lot They higher. would win a lot more games than 45 or 40, whatever you have them at, 43. Um, and then for the Grizzlies. Uh, yeah, I mean, one and six start. Obviously, we don't want to be influencing them or influenced off their start by any means, but maybe the team isn't as great as we thought. I mean, also, they're missing their best player, and that's you take the best player off of any team, they're not going to be great. But the question is, when Jaw does come back to this team, are they going to be in a spot where they're still in contention for a good playoff spot? Yeah. Let's, we'll have to see. I mean, to me, 50, well, they won 51 games last year. That's out the window. That was probably out the window. Anyways, just yeah. how deep the, the West is. So that 45 and a half number, if they go like 5 and 20 without Jaw, which. Before the season, I would have said, no, they, they'll do better than that. But now there's at least a chance they'll go like 5-20 and 20 or something similar. Then they'd have to win 40 games when he comes back. Again, he's, he's really good. But he's not that good. And like you said, and they're a good roster, but they're a great roster. Yeah like, yeah, like you said, if they have to win 40 games by the time he gets back, Jaw's not, like you said, he's not going to be able to do that. And the roster, if they win only five games without him, they're not good enough to do that. Yeah. So they need to step up quick. Same thing. Like they just don't have the time to mess around. Yeah. Because even though, you know, 82 game season, it goes by quick. Every game matters. You need to, they, they don't know if they have time. I don't, I think they'll still make the play in again, because so many teams make the playoffs or play in, but I, I could see them being one of those like eight, nine, 10 seeds. Yeah. But who knows? Maybe they'll turn it around. Uh, the next group, a bunch of teams, right? above 500 we have the knicks at 44 and a half the timberwolves at 44 and a half the pelicans at 44 and a half the thunder at 44 and a half and the kings at 44 and a half uh, and then slightly lower the mavericks 43 and a half and the hawks at 42 and a half uh let's start with all the teams at 44 and a half uh let's just run through our picks first uh knicks you had at 43 and i had 42 uh, Timberwolves, 42. I have 48. Uh, Pelicans, uh, 39. I have 40. Thunder, 41. I have 46. And Kings, 47. I have 45. Uh, any, any team in that group that stands out to you? Or do you see them kind of all around this range of like slightly above 500? Like they'll sneak in the playoffs, but nothing spectacular. Yeah, like last few years, the Knicks haven't been super exciting to watch. I don't expect that to change. Did you see the Julius Randle highlight the other night? 
Oh, would you call it a highlight? Low light? Yeah. <laughs> Not care light? Yeah. It's, I mean, it, that, that kind of thing with effort and mentality, I feel like that will be fixed. Will it though? Because this is like, you know, as I said it, I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. I really don't know. Like, it's getting to the point they like have to trade him. But that's the problem. Same thing with James Harden. It's like, well, yeah. to who? Yeah. Like, who is like, you know what, Julius Randle? I like that guy. He's on my, like, depends on the price and they, yeah. they might, they wouldn't get much back for him. I don't I mean, think. he's, I was, before I saw the highlight and some of the stuff earlier this year, I would have almost said like he's one of the more underrated guys now. Like, had a bad kind of last part of the year. Knicks fans turned on him. But like he can be a 20 point per game scorer, like all NBA guy. Okay, he's probably underrated, but now I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, he maybe falls in that James Harden Kyrie category. Yeah. But um, and then Pelicans. Zion. Zion's always gonna be exciting as long as he's in the league. Still obviously question his health. Brandon Ingram. CJ McCollum went is out with a collapsed lung, which is super scary, I guess. Yeah. And so I'm assuming. He's going to be out for... That's, I mean, that sounds like... I would never play basketball again yeah, if I had like, a collapse lung, but I think it happens relatively. Okay. So he, yeah. He'll be back, I okay. think. It's not that big of a deal. Okay. Um, but for me, I think the Thunder and the Kings are the two most exciting teams of that group here. The Thunder, I mean, they're one of the young teams that are obviously just going to get better as their players get older. Shea Gildas-Alexander is really good. So I'm excited to see what they can do. Mm-hmm. Chet's back after missing last year. Well, I don't know if I can say back because he, he's a rookie technically, yeah. but he's here now. So that's exciting. See what he can do. But I think the Kings are going to be the best of this little group we had. Yeah. I mean, they were the best last year. I had them slightly lower just because they're kind of the same team, which again is fine. But like we keep talking about how good the West is. Yeah. Again, I had them slightly lower, so not that far behind. Thunder, I agree. Super exciting. Really young. Uh, the one team you didn't mention is the one team I had highest at 48 is the Timberwolves. Yeah. Which is funny because for most of the last year, I've been kind of anti-Timberwolves because I don't like Carl Anthony Towns and never been a huge Go Bear fan. But having said that, at least for the regular season, like if those two can kind of work together, like as much as I don't like either of them, they're still solid players. Like I, I would never want Towns on my team but he's still good. Gobert, again, regular season Gobert, he's won Defensive Player of the Year, like he can do what he does. Uh, but then to me, it's going to be Anthony Edwards. And I'm all on board of Anthony Edwards, like give me him over pretty much anybody in the league, Team USA, all of that. So like that's the main reason I had them super high, is because of him. And then Jaden McDaniels I like, Mike Conley's solid. So Yeah, they got, good, they got good pieces, good team. Playoffs, different story. Um, Regular season, I I get them, and and I mentioned there's like two teams that have the pieces to like match up with the Nuggets, and this is one of them, just because it's Gobert, like Gobert against like the Clippers, and when you go small and run him off the floor, not great. When he's able to battle with Jokic, okay, then he's useful. So yeah, uh, last two teams in this group, Mavericks, Hawks. You had them at... I have the Mavericks at 42 and the Hawks at 40. Uh, and I have the Mavericks at 45 and the Hawks at 41. Do you think uh, Kyrie and Luca are going to play the whole year together? I mean, odds are probably not. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. Do you think Luca could win MVP? He's playing like it. 
Yeah. He's really, I mean, yeah. Like just a couple of weeks in the season, he's really good leading the league yeah. and scoring or close to or something like that. Yeah, I could see this being the the year that he puts it all together. Not in the sense of like they're going to make a championship run, but like missing the playoffs, like being motivated from that, being in shape. Like this is what he should be. And I hope it continues. Yeah. He's starting to try and look like 2K Luca. Yeah. Dropping, you know, averaging 42 points a game, triple double. Yeah. And then the Hawks. I was trying to think who the Hawks remind me of. And I know they had a really bad year this year, so maybe doesn't apply anymore. But to me, they're like the White Sox of the NBA. Mm-hmm. When we did our White Sox picks, they're like just solid right in the middle. Like they're going to be right around 500. Uh, next group of teams right below 500. Pacers 38.5. Nets 37.5. Bulls 37.5. Magic 37.5. And, and then the Raptors 36.5. And, and the Jazz 35.5. Some fun teams, but this is where it gets... Uh, less exciting. Uh, let's rip through wins for all these teams first. Pacers, you have... 35. Um, I have them at 40. Nets? 38. I have them at 38 as well. Uh, Bulls? 35. I have them at 33. Magic? 36. At 38. And Raptors? 35. I have them at 38. And Jazz? 35. I meant 32. I feel like we're playing bingo at this point. But uh, out of that group of teams, kind of right below 500, might make a run. Any Anybody stand out? Any player or any team? None of these teams really incite anything, you know, playoff. Like, here we go. They're going to make a yeah. you know surprise push. But I do really like Cam Thomas. I mean, just a pure scorer. Like, he's a hooper. Like, we're talking <laughs> about, you know, there's good basketball players and there's hoopers. He's a hooper. <laughs> I love Cam Thomas. I, I hope it continues because like he showed this a little bit last year. Remember when they traded him? Yeah. And like, Hey, we got Cam Thomas. And then by the end of the year, he wasn't playing. Yeah. So yeah, we'll see. He dropped like 30 in a couple like back to back games. And then it's, yeah. I don't know. Uh, I like the Pacers. I think Pacers are fun. They're going to score a lot of points. Tyrese Halliburton's cool. I love Tyrese. Magic are fun because they're young too. Yeah. Magic. Like those are two teams. If somebody's going to make a run, I'd pick them. Yeah. I'd probably go magic if I had to pick one. Yeah. Just, you know, Franz and Paolo. Yeah, it's a good duo. And the Bulls, um, they had a, I've heard they had a players only yeah. meeting game one, which is yeah. never a good sign. Yeah. yeah, I could see them being the team that like has already been interest from the Lakers, of course, and um, among like half the teams for Caruso, like maybe Levine gets traded to Rosen. Yeah, I mean, they could easily just blow it up and yeah. be terrible this year. Yeah. And they all, they all, I feel like they should, honestly. I, there's always a team. Like, it's unfortunately been your team the last couple of years, but mm-hmm. there's always a team that does that. They're also, I think, capable of being just that middle of the pack. They'll make the playoffs. Yeah. But they're just not going like to go anywhere. Hawks, exactly, yeah. yeah. And the Blazers for like a few years before. Yeah, yeah just, so they need to decide to start going the other way. Yeah, because they've been stuck in the middle. Yeah. And unfortunately... Honestly, there's a lot more teams. Like, if you really look at it, there's a lot of teams that are just stuck in the middle. Worst place to be. Yeah. But, like, you don't want to commit to blowing it up because then it's like, well, now we're going to win 20 games a year. Who's going to... That's not fun. Yeah. Well, which is why it's hard. Like, as much as we from the outside are like, yeah, blow it up, tank, let's go. Who cares? But it's, it's hard on the I end. Mean, it's people's jobs and yeah. fans. Yeah. Although, I would say that it is arguably more fun to be a fan of a team that's young and exciting but terrible. Mm-hmm. Then that middle of the pack, they'll be in the playoffs, but they won't go anywhere. Team. Yeah, you just have to survive the first like year. Because, yeah. like, 
Yeah, the where like your team's at, Blazers, like you've gotten to the point of like you have lots of good young players versus if the Bulls just decide to tank, well, then they don't have fun young players or good players, so then they're stuck. Yeah. But it is, yeah. Yeah, if I you're going to be bad, fun. be fun. Yeah. Like the Pacers, I don't think the Pacers are bad. They're not bad. But, but they are not, fun. Yeah, they're fun for sure. All right, last group of teams, final six. Uh, Hornets, 31 and a half, and the Rockets at 31 and a half. Spurs at 29 and a half. Uh, Blazers, 28 and a half. Pistons, 27 and a half. And then rounding it out, the Wizards, 24 and a half. Uh, start with wins for the Hornets. I have them at 30. I have them at 33. Uh, Rockets, 28. I have 30. Uh, Spurs, 36. Dang, I should have gone higher. I wanted to go higher, but I said 32. Uh, Blazers, 30. Uh, I have them at 28. Pistons, 34. I have them at 26. And Wizards, 25. Uh, I have them at 22. Uh, do we both have the Wizards as the worst team? I think we do. Yeah, yeah I, yeah, I do. Yeah, I have them as the worst. But I would almost argue they're the most fun. <laughs> Kyle Kuzma and Jordan Poole True. might be my favorite duo in basketball. <laughs> they don't care. This no, is this is care. the dream goal. I've seen this. They both got their rings. Yeah. They both got their bags. Yep. They don't care. They're just gonna have fun hooping. They, yeah, they are like men for each other. It's perfect. It's yeah. chaos in the best possible way. And they're not going to go anywhere, obviously, no. but they are super exciting. I don't even know. Like, I know a few of their players, obviously, but like, you don't even need it's Jordan Poole and Kyle Kuzma. That's it. <laughs> like, I love those two. And they're, they're like perfect tank players because they're good enough to, like, yeah, if you're a Wizards fan, you're like, cool, I I'll go watch Jordan Poole and Kyle Kuzma. But you're not going to win games. Yeah, they're not going to win you games at all. Yeah. Uh, even if you had a better, like, they're, like if those are your two best players, you're, you're not going to win games. Yeah. But they'll get you highlights yeah. and they'll get you. What was it? They were down 20 on their uh, off the glass alley oop. It's perfect. And it's like, I mean, like the coach, it might be disciplined, whatever, but at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. Yeah. It's awesome. It'll be interesting to see if they ever, like, what comes of their careers. Some people in this position might be like, okay, yes, I won my championship, had the money, but like now I'm going to prove again I'm a number one. Yeah, they, They're like, ah, oh, no, let's just have fun. Well, yeah, because it's like we're talking like in the grand scheme of careers. Oh, well, yeah, you got your ring, but you weren't like the guy or even one of the top guys on those teams. Well, that's what does that say for your career? But as just as a human... You've won at the highest level in the best league in the mm-hmm. world. You've gotten more money for your entire family for years, for generations. That's, that's the goal. Those are the two goals. They've done them both. Now they can have fun. They just need to prove that they're good enough so when they get, it's time they can get their next contract. That, that's the key, Yeah, I would think. Yeah. And I don't, yeah, I don't know if Jordan Poole could ever be like the guy on a winning team. I mean, we'll we'll see. He's still young. Yeah, I, don't, I yeah, I could not see him as the guy. But can like can he even be what he was with the Warriors? Because like it seems weird to think a couple of years ago he he was a big part of their championship. Yeah, but, I mean, like, like when I said that they weren't, you know, one of the top guys on their team, they still contributed a ton. Yeah, and the teams might not have won without them. Yeah, but obviously, yeah. Uh, there were a few other teams which we don't necessarily need. Hit Pistons, Cunningham's back. That's going to be cool. I like him. 
um, Hornets and Rockets have some young guys. Uh, let's let's go to your Blazers first, and then we'll finish with the Spurs. Thirty seconds on what you think the Blazers. I, we've talked Blazers so much we don't have to spend too much time. But anything you're excited for based on what you've seen? Yeah, I mean, in the brief two weeks we've seen them, defense looks really exciting. We're really Aiton looks good. Like he's mm-hmm. actually putting effort in. He's quality defender, quality rebounder. He's putting up double doubles every night. Easy. Sad that Williams is going to be out for a few months. Scoot Henderson looks, uh, it's still early. I don't, and he's out with an <laughs> yeah. injury now with a sprained angle for a few games at least, but he looks terrible. He has yeah. more turnovers and points, I think, or he has in a couple games already. But I mean, you know, there's flashes that you're like, okay, this is, yeah. you know, but he's what, 19. He's still figuring out. I don't have any worries with that. Shaden Sharp is like 20 and he's <laughs> awesome. So super excited to see what he can turn out to be. We'll see when Simons get back. Like, I don't think they're going to be a great team, but they're going to they're gonna win some games, and they're going to be fun. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't mean, be upset watching them every night. I mean, we've talked about it, how because the NBA is so deep, like, if the Blazers are technically one of the worst teams, like, still a pretty good team. Yeah. Like, even if Scoot's not great, like, Brogdon, really good. I mean, Pro- they might even, they might trade him and get a few first. Yeah, I was going to say, probably won't have him at the end of the year. But, like, the way Sharp's playing, Jeremy Grant, been solid. Aiden, like you said, been good. Oh, yeah, so. like that's the thing. Grant started off really bad, but every game yeah. he scored more points than the last. Yeah. So he's he's probably happy because now he gets. I mean, on what team in this league would Jeremy Grant? I mean, I don't even know if he could be considered this on Blazers, but what could he be considered the guy on? Because you could at least have that conversation. Because I mean, he's the highest played player. He has the ability to be the highest scoring player. He, I mean. It's, I mean, a bad, is, it's a bad team, so of course you're going to want to focus on your young guys. But Jeremy Grant could be a quality, like, I mean, he's always been like an all-star fringe type player. But now it's his time to, I do you, don't know. Do I kind of disagree with what I just said, but. Do you think they're going to trade him? I think good. I mean, why not? Like, yeah. if you can get a good enough offer, it all depends on the offer. Yeah. Because, I mean, he's not, he's, what, 29, 30, so. Yeah. Could hold on to him for a few more years. It's not the end of the deal, end of the world, if you don't make a trade like that. But if you get a right out, right offer for him, why not? Yeah, yeah I talked uh, last week about Sharp, how good he's looked. And Scoot, I mean, yeah, you said he's 19. He'll be fine. Like, even if it's not great this year, like... Yeah, like, he'll be fine long term. Yeah, like, next year, like, he'll take the jump that Sharp looks like he's doing, so you'll be fine. And then Simon's coming back. Yeah. You have players and pieces you've never had for a while, like, a really good defensive-minded and rebounding center. like super athletic wings like defensive minded players like it's a completely different roster construction which is good yeah no i'm I'm happy we've had a lot of issues in the past oh tumani kamara yeah i remember. like oh like, <laughs> i thought he was just a throw-in i didn't i've never heard of him yeah and he's just so good yeah one uh yeah so yeah no i'm, I'm happy good roster construction and that's i think sharp sorry Sharp, well, yes, Sharp is amazing. But I think the key for Scoot, like you said, he's 19. He'll take the jump next year. This year, just try and take some pressure off of him. He doesn't need to be the guy. He doesn't even need to, he doesn't even need to be like the third guy. Mm-hmm. Just let Simon, Sharp, well, Simon's when he's back, Sharp, Grant, they'll do it. Mm-hmm. And just let Sharp be in the background, you know, play defense, off ball, yeah. do all that thing. I mean, like, he'll be really, I'm not, I'm not worried about him long term. Yeah. Uh, we'll finish with the Spurs. 
Uh, on a scale of one to ten, where are you with Wimby? Ten, eleven. Okay, same. I think I was ten before the year. I was like, "Yep, I'm all on board." Like I've been on board. I've mentioned it here. Been on board since like a year or two ago when I first saw him. And then, yes, he struggled like his first couple games, but yeah, now I'm like a twelve. But like even then, like struggling was not. Yeah. I mean, there's been so many people. Like everybody shared his thoughts. I've shared my thoughts here. Everyone said that like. As good as he is, and he's been really good, like stats even don't show the whole picture. Like this is as bad as he's gonna be. He's only gonna get better. He's gotten so much better the first five games. Like there's there's no ceiling for what it could be. And I mean, we had them, you had them at 36, I had them at 32. Could they make the playoffs with him? I mean, definitely they could definitely make the play in, like oh yeah. He, at his, you know, age, rookie, he's at a point where he can still win you games single-handedly. I mean, he impacts the game on every single level just due to his size. And, you know, obviously a lot of people are going to say, well, he's so, he's so big, he's so long, he might get hurt. But, I mean, I don't know, I haven't followed overseas, but has he really ever gotten hurt? Not really. I don't think and so. And have you seen all the, all the, like, exercises he does? Yeah, like, he takes good care of his body. I mean, why wouldn't you? He's a you know billion dollar asset. Yeah, but it's like, wow! Like, I, just watching clips, especially with him and like trainers, like regular sized human beings, mm-hmm. how huge he really is and how mm-hmm. long. I mean, they've already. I mean, granted, the Suns were hurt, like they didn't have all their guys, yeah. but, but still, like he the went, Suns. he went toe to toe with Durant and won. Like yeah. it was like pretty yeah. easy. He makes the game look... I mean, at that, at that height, you should not be able to move the way he does. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, we could talk about him for a long yeah. time. but Yeah, we will have plenty of time to talk, to him, talk about him this year, coming years. I think if, if it was just his ability, I'd definitely I'd still be at a 10 because what, like, what he can do is amazing. But what puts it over is, like, he seems... And people have talked about this, too. Like, he seems like he you know, has a good head on his shoulders. Like he's, he knows he's a big, big time star, a big time asset, but he handles himself well. He seems like he really wants to get better. And like, he takes care of his body. Like he's doing all the right things. So compared to guys like Zion, even guys like Luca, like those guys that sometimes have problems. You're like, okay, like, are they really giving it all? He looks like he's going to give it all. And he wants to win. Like he's jumping up and down when they win games. So, yeah. 100% 100% on board. The, the only problem is the four teams that don't make the plan. Like, even if you say, okay, 100% the Blazers, the Rockets, so those two, Jazz, Spurs, so then that's the only, I guess, the argument against it. But. but even then, like, you know, Pelicans could take a really far step back. I mean, the Kings are good, but like, what? I mean, obviously, injuries are a huge part yeah. of this. And game. the Grizzlies, I mean, maybe they just stay at the bottom. You never know. Yeah, because it's like we were saying, what if they just don't recover from this bad start? Yeah. And then Jaw comes back, but it doesn't matter. So it's possible. And then, you know, you get the Spurs in a single game elimination. Wemby drops 40 on you while playing great defense, getting boards, assists, all that. Like, Spurs. I mean, the Spurs could beat any... I mean, obviously, it's the NBA. Any team yeah. could beat any team, but the Spurs could totally beat any team, at yeah. least in a one-game series. Yeah. Yeah, you would not want to see him no. in a one-game playoff or a series. Like, but I, I would like to see them in like a full seven-game series and just see how the other team even attempts to yeah. game plan for him. 
Because there's think, not a lot of teams that could really match up well against him. Yeah, that'll be it'll be fun to see every team play him and just see who does the best against him. Because there have been times. I'm thinking like Gobert, like he's the only guy. Well, I mean, we've seen the clip of him. Yeah. Back in France, like when when he was what 16. Yeah. When Mignon was 16 against Gobert, so. Yeah. But yeah, any guy that is his height or close to it, and nobody's his height, but anyone mm-hmm. that's close to it, he's faster than, he's quicker than. Yeah. Anyone that's shorter than him, obviously, he's much taller than yeah. him. So it's like, there's, I don't know. Yeah, I, th- I feel like it's going to be definitely the, the guy's right, like definitely shorter than him, but then better athletes than him. Like, it'll be super exciting to watch the Lakers play him because you know LeBron's going to do well. It seems like LeBron always does well against any like young guy who comes up. He's got to show him his place. Seeing LeBron and AD against them. Giannis like oh, those kind of yeah. players when they can really get into him like even like the Jimmy Butler's like he'll be able to shoot over them at times but I think they'll give him the most trouble but to think he's a rookie and we're yeah. saying all these well, things yeah, like you said he's only going to get better this is as good as he is this is as worse as he'll he should ever be yeah. wow I am excited though Chet Chet Holmgren mm-hmm. I want to see them when we saw them in summer league I want to see them I hope that kind of grows into a little rivalry yeah I think it will. Yeah, because it was... How it was, tall is he? He's maybe like two inches shorter. Yeah, I mean, obviously, he's not as tall as Wemby, yeah. but... But he's not that far behind. It is interesting to see how different they are, though, from the few games we've seen. Like, Chet is a center. He's a small center, and we'll get bullied at times. Wemby's like a small forward. Who just happens to be like... Yeah, so that it's definitely... Like, we'll definitely see the, the differences in play style. Chet can do a lot of those things, too. I don't want to like minimize him, but they are definitely different players. But it will be fun. I, it looks like that will be yeah like because the I'm next thinking rivalry. It's pure purely body type, yeah, size, length, all that. There's nobody. I don't even know if there's anyone as close as Chet will be to Wemby. I mean, the Suns had Bull Bull on their bench. Yeah, Throw that's a terrible <laughs> comparison. I feel so bad for Bull Bull. Yeah, because it's like I. I mean, I want Bull Bull to succeed. Like I love yeah. him, but it's oh my god to be. Yeah. That, that's that's true with any comparison, really. Like, you're just throwing these two players together, especially if one's clearly better than the other. It's like all you're doing yeah. is throwing the other guy to the wolves. That's yeah. terrible. Uh, before we wrap up, uh, championship pick? Uh, or NBA so, Finals matchup? Yeah, out of the East. I mean, Celtics are an easy choice, just with the depth and the star power they have. I want to go Bucks just a little. Let's go for it. I love Dame, man. Yeah. I'll, I'll go, but I'll go. You know, Bucks, Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals, maybe out of six or seven for the Bucks, and then I'll go in the Eastern Conference Finals. I'll go like Nuggets, hmm. Nuggets, and the. Do you have like ten teams that choose yeah, from? I don't know. Like the Suns, <laughs> if they can get healthy. I mean, that's you're gonna say that true with anybody, right? Yeah. Suns, if they can get healthy, but I'd like to see the Suns and the Clippers. I'd like to see the Clippers make a deep run. But I, I'll go nut or sorry, the Nuggets and the Clippers. I'll go Nuggets out of like five or six. And then I'll probably pick the Nuggets. I'd like to see Giannis on Jokic. That'd be fun. Yeah, we're talking about who can Lopez. stop Jokic or yeah. hold him. I mean, Brooke Lopez is a good defender, but just with Giannis's like agility, like they're both the 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 Bucks are built well to stop Jokic. Mm-hmm. Better, probably better than any team in the league. Yeah, I mean, I think the Timberwolves the I Timberwolves, mentioned. Yeah, but like, yeah. stop. They can. The Timberwolves can might be able to stop Jokic, but I don't know if they'll be able to stop the Nuggets at all. Yeah, like the other than well, well, stop slash slow down. Sure, 
I don't know why I'm so high on the Timberwolves. I've always hated the Timberwolves. Yeah, I've never been a huge fan of them either. But now I feel like I'm I'm on the Anthony Edwards hype train, so I guess I have to be. But uh, I have a similar pick. I have the Nuggets. I think they're going to win it all again. Um, they breathe into the playoffs? Probably. Anyone give them a challenge? <laughs> Timberwolves? Um, Yay! Uh, they make it. Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, Timberwolves, they gave them the biggest shot or the biggest challenge last year. Um, I think I think the Timberwolves and Lakers, I mentioned it earlier on. Like, I think those are the two teams in the West that could give them the most trouble. So if you mean like breezing through, like they're going to just... Not like, you know, four game sweeps the whole way, but five or six, like not... I don't think they'll breeze through. I think, I think like those teams, and then you mentioned the Clippers or the Suns, like if they're healthy, they'll give them a challenge. But relatively speaking, I think they'll breeze through. Uh, I'll say the Celtics. Uh, I think I said from the beginning I had Nuggets and Celtics, but I'll go Nuggets again, I think. Uh, we'll see how they last like long, long term, but for now I think they're the best team. So. Uh, we got plenty of things to cover, plenty of things to do. Um, baseball free agency. When the Mariners sign Shohei, you're coming on. Oh yeah, emer- um, emergency podcast. Yeah, we're going to do it over the phone or something. Um, but So we'll do that. Um, we'll talk more NBA as the season goes on and some other fun stuff but uh thanks for coming on we'll see how these picks do um and we'll see you next time thank you that will do it for today's episode thanks to my brother chris for coming on we will be back this weekend got some more nba stuff coming got some college football baseball free agency has started so we are on the clock for shohei otani and a bunch of others. So make sure to check us out on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and we will see you on Sunday.